Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast about politics, technology, art and design, featuring me, Michael Forrest. And me, Ivanka Magic. <laughs> <laughs> it was my turn to speak then, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I, thought, I, yeah, I didn't warn you, but, I, you know... You, you should know fun. by now, it is episode 72. I can Sorry. edit out the spaces, so it's fine if it takes you a second. Um... This week we're going to talk about... Well, this week, um, well, Ivanka was just sort of shared this video, but, you know, we've both been paying attention to Rutger Bregman a lot recently, who is the guy that said taxes and everything else is bullshit on uh, to, the, to, the, to the Davos people. And he, he wrote Utopia for Realists. And one thing he's been saying is, like, lots of people these days know what they're against, but they don't really know what they're for. Um, so we thought we'd have a little brainstorm about what we're for, what we'd like, how we'd like things to be. Imagine a utopia, maybe not initially for realists, but like, how, how would we like things to be given given where we are right now? So I've got some headlines around sort of government, like what work would be like, medicine and health, things like that, education, and just, I mean, just money, just what, what are all the kind of pillars of existence that we'd like to hit? I think that's it. You know, health, education, what is work, what is not being bored, what is... I was thinking about it like this. Uh, Health care, education, uh, living circumstances, homes, buildings... Um, homes, yeah. Uh, how you get about, uh, yeah. what you get, how you get to spend your time, mm, okay. how you get to control your... You know, control your fate. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what how you vote. Mm. They ever, you know. Well, we're ready for some improvements. Yes. So something that was it was an incremental improvement improvement over a kind of shit situation for a while, but now you know let's uh, step it up. So yeah, that's we're just gonna have a talk. See how far we get. Talk to me. How's it going, Ivanka? It's going very well, Michael, I think. Uh, I always say that. <laughs> Last week, I actually, so I don't know if we've recorded since then, but I went to see Caroline Lucas talk at my local community centre because mm. she's my MP. I'm blessed. Uh, and hashtag blessed. A, hashtag blessed with a, with a sensible MP. And the thing that I... I it was an Extinction Rebellion stroke. Our, our community has quite an active... Uh, green, I don't know, grassroots, green, blah, you know, we, it's my neighbourhood. <laughs> so mm. I'm fairly representative, I'd say. Um, so we went out, so I went out and uh, it, there was some talks about how to talk about the climate crisis and um, I, I didn't stay till the very end and I was late, so I didn't see everything, uh, but I did listen to Caroline Lucas speak and the poor woman had been uh, at, in Parliament all day. So this was a Friday evening at 7.30 and she must have been absolutely exhausted. But she had said she was coming, so she arrived and she was on time, unlike me. I felt very bad about that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I took away from what she said was that all these current constructs, these capitalist constructs that we're living within, 
are based on the premise that we are all selfish and self-serving. Mm-hmm. And as you and I often talk about, so is this the, the we are far more cooperative as human beings and care far more about our communities and gain more from our communities and cooperation than the current narrative would have us believe. Mm. And it was basically, we are all nicer than everyone's making us out to be. Um, And I think she didn't phrase it exactly like that. But I think that that's that for me was a nice take a nice thing to take away from a talk by a mainstream politician. She is an MP in British Parliament. It's like the uh, Wikipedia person um, at the fake news thing I went to just sort of towards the end going, well, most of what's online is really positive. Yeah. And everyone's sort of going, huh? What? <laughs> what? Go, yeah, like crazy. people are doing stuff for nothing left and right, like helping strangers just, just, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So it really is a sort of a much smaller group of people that are trolling and, you know, hacking and causing problems. And but, it's hard, it's easy to forget that. You reminded me of a Guilty Feminist episode recently where... Uh, Deborah Francis White was calling trolls. She was calling it trolling. <laughs> I was like, hmm? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't not hear this anymore. Now, every time you say the word, I'm just not listening to what you're saying because I'm trying to process. It's like, have I been saying it wrong all this time? Anyway, um, so that, but it was really, I mean, it was really cool to go and see her. I, you know, I felt good. I felt uh, it was, an, it was, a, it was, it was, a, it was nice. And then, I went off, because uh, we all remember my ski goddess holiday from last year, I'm sure, long-term listeners. <laughs> but I went on this ski holiday uh, design. It's for women who want to improve their skiing. Uh, it has various accoutrements of a holiday, but it's about the skiing. And well, I had I a massive improvement in my skiing and my ability to enjoy the mountain. So I... Um, and I, I didn't mind praising the the, the woman who, who uh, owns it. And then I was like, you should get some of us back because a lot of them are professional women who do stuff. I was like, you should, mm. you know, we could talk about how to help you more with your marketing. And I did my usual getting enthusiastic about someone else's project. And then uh, she invited us back for what she called the Ski Goddess Summit because mm. uh, the brand is Ski Goddess. Uh, and so we had, and so we're all people who have attended the course and bar the she had a web developer and a clothes designer because obviously she needs uniforms and stuff like that and uh it was really interesting because we did a bit of skiing and a lot of so we did you know ski till lunch and then work and there was a lot of work we did really long days uh, because I was also very um concerned that I'd be going out under this false pretenses of of helping her but then we'd just have a nice chat over a glass of wine and nothing would happen so Mm. but I but obviously I wasn't the only you know, professional woman who um, who was able to, you know, we talked about roadmaps and what can we do now and what could we do next and what are, what are we aspiring towards? I mean, it was a really, it was a really good workshop um, uh, and I felt very positive about the whole experience because these women all come from different backgrounds. But interesting in our group, so one woman works in the food industry. So, and I had... Uh, um, She's about 10 years older than me and has a much more corporate career behind her. That's sort of like running multiple factories and what have you. And I was like, so, you know, climate change, veganism, is uh, is anyone in the meat industry actually bothered by the plant-based? Because she, she, she'd said plant-based is a massive trend at the moment. So like, is anyone actually bothered? She was like, no. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's not really touching the food manufacturers yet. Right, so right. whilst they might be 
obviously looking to provide more plant-based options in a supermarket and talk about plastic and talk about so apparently she said uh, Tesco's did a really good briefing with suppliers about um, packaging mm. and about plastics and and talking about so she, uh, which was really heartening they'd obviously taken it very seriously and sort of see themselves as sort of like taking their role of custodians of food to the from the manufacturers to the home quite seriously and so they they were they because they have a lot of power supermarkets to make mm. food manufacturers do all sorts of things so you know one thing was on the positive end of the scale clearly putting pressure on supermarkets does have an effect uh, equally not enough climate change still isn't enough of a problem or it's not acknowledged enough yet for that to have become a part of the requirements mm. um and then and there's obviously much debate to be had in the food industry about how blah, 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 how to feed people growing population blah, blah. Mm. um so that was quite interesting but then there was one in our midst there's one woman uh that we encountered she was she who uh sort of sat at dinner she wasn't part i hadn't met her before and she just went yeah, I don't, don't. I don't believe we have anything to do with climate change. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I didn't say. I was. I did later on say to somebody else, I need a gold star for not saying a single word. I just sat there because I thought, is that the right thing to do? <laughs> I just. I was like, it, as much as I bang on about speaking up, mm. in that moment, it was. It would have completely ruined the whole thing so I didn't I just went hmm. I didn't even say anything it's my usual absolute silence so then I that weighed on me just the way it was said I just couldn't think of a because yeah. then it, she immediately followed up with don't get me wrong I'm all into eco living mm. but I don't believe that you know that I think it was the bit that she and this is what I couldn't I just didn't dig into and I couldn't, mm. I could have, of course, because she, she, it was more like, I don't believe that we little ratty humans can either, you know, save the earth or destroy the earth. Mm. Wow. So I was just like, mm. uh, so I struggled, you know, then I've, it's obviously been preying on my mind that mm. I didn't retro justifying my behavior. The food industry woman, I've met her before. And the first time I met her, we didn't really dig into the food industry, but mm. this time I felt more com like yeah. you know, it's like this time I was quite happy to go. What about this? And because I got a little bit of a relationship built up with yeah. her, so I felt much more comfortable going. Oh, what about this? And da -da -da. whereas this woman, I'd only just met her, and she was new to the group, mm. and I think I would have totally alienated her, which is also not really. Yeah, yeah, anyway. I totally, I totally, yeah, and you're probably worried about me sort of sitting here judging you or something. But um, honestly, well, like, I, I trust your judgment on this, and it just sounds like a. I'm sure you'll, um, <laughs> I'm sure you did the right thing in the situation, and um, yeah, hopefully you'll get an opportunity to dig to into it, it next time. To dig into it, yeah, maybe over like a side by side conversation. You know, like instead of sitting opposite somebody, if you're sitting next to them, it's actually easier mm. to have a confrontational <laughs> argument, uh, discussion because it's less like so like on a chairlift sitting side by side, I can start a difficult conversation <laughs> yeah, and they can't escape. But yeah. <laughs> How 
how was your week, Michael? My week was very successful. Wow. Um, I uh, played that show on Tuesday, um, gave a talk, uh, and played some music, did some singing, um, and it went down really, really well. And loads of people were very positive about it. And I really think, like, because the guy before me did actually a really good little sort of electronic uh, modular synth set, like 20 minute set that just sounded really great. Um, but then I think just the fact that I was bringing vocals to it, bringing singing to it, just really did mean that it was sort of like a bit next level. It was, and it, it just, and I think this was a successful one because I, I was just like, and I explained this to the audience as well, like um, I'm, I'm quite busy kind of tweaking knobs and things. So, singing isn't my only job so I sort of feel like okay let's just get an effects vocal processor thing that will auto-tune and make everything sound nice and add little harmonies and things to it just so that it's you're not having to deal with me being a bit off or a bit pitchy and um I, it really paid off and just everyone was so like just the fact that one guy was like saying well it's, he's saying his friend was like oh where's how, where's he getting those vocal samples from and his, he's like no he's singing it now like, yeah, okay that's that's good and this is yeah, I yeah. think it was the last the last thing in the sort of pyramid of what I needed to do to get this thing that I'm trying to do working in the way it is in my mind um and just I think the power of vocals is that people actually have the language to talk about it in a way that they just don't about when it's knob tweaking and you know, harmonies and melodies and rhythms and all that kind of thing. They can just say, oh, I really loved your singing. And it's the reason I've always, I've worked to try and be able to do that because I just felt like it's just, it's got to be in there or it's the music is only really a fraction of what music is about. So that went down really well. So I'm quite pleased about that. And although, of course, like I felt like it was going terribly when I was up there, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But and also I finished my video and, you know, due to the postponing of our Friday recording, was able to put a lot more little flourishes into the uh, into the production of the video on Friday. I am um, because it's, it's like a 15 minute video. I just thought I'm just going to write a big script uh, this time. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. I think it's a good resource for people. For musicians, people like me that want to play this sort of thing live and it just takes you from how to get a gig or do something yourself right through playing the mindset you need to be in, kind of the kind of preparing to get on stage, being on stage, coming off stage and then like packing up. I think it I, and I haven't seen like a huge uptake of it, but I have seen the people that do comment. I kind of go and click on their thing. and It's like, oh, you've got thousands of subscribers. <laughs> you know, ooh. Ooh, um, you're special. <laughs> special people are liking it. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's been good. So on to the topic. What is important to us as human beings? What do we? What? Do, how do we want our lives to be? <laughs> well, you can start like with. Old Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, you know, at the very bottom is food and shelter. Physiological, then safety, then love, belonging, then esteem, then self-actualisation. I mean, you've really got to think that if safety or physiological needs aren't being met by the apparatus of the state, they're really just a 
They're, they've not. They're, they really are, are failing. They've dropped the ball completely. Yeah. So yeah, those those bottom two, yeah, physiological, which includes you know health. Well, yeah, obviously I don't need health. to translate to you, <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Let me explain the English language to you. No, so <laughs> physiological water, food, water, warmth, and rest. It's like. How is it possible that we start? Yeah, like, but we're not yes. we're not ranting about what's wrong. But we're just like so. In that, I think you sort of have to take it as a given that those things are one way or another taken care of. So, I would say that in the mod, like in a modern wealthy society, because hmm. a lot of this these things that we learn both from like. Um, you know, mind the gap and the uh, the Swedish professor with all these stats yep. and Rutger Bergman and all these people is that there is a lot of wealth. Yes. And we have created more wealth. And one of the things he referenced uh, in that interview I saw with him was the fact that, you know, so in the 30s, 40s, so I don't know when, in a blah, 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 insert date, um, uh, an economist identified that we were generating more wealth. And as we were earning more and having more money, we would be able to work less. And he yeah. predicted like this 15 hour work week hmm. because... You know, if you earn enough working just a couple of days. So, you know, for people like me, I'm kind of achieving that. Mm. But for many other people, that's not that we, you know, we're far from it. But but I think the thing that this Maslow's makes you stop and think about is that, you know, more and more people are, their physiological needs are being met and their safety needs, but there's still far too many who aren't. Yeah, it's it's shocking that anyone, given the amount of wealth that exists. Yeah there is no reason for us not to be able to support. Like, give people... So, I, I, I think tier one, universal basic income is something I would like to see as a baseline for how you would sort of support those basic, certainly physiological needs. Like, I should not feel like if I... If something terrible happens to me or I just really have had enough of the, the rat yeah. race or something, or like, I really just want to try something, I should not have to worry about how am I going to be able to feed myself. Yeah. Um, the, the it sort of the, the the thing that I stumble on there is the whole warmth, rest, uh, the housing aspect of that, and um, because what what because is 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 it true that is it, it there's a lot of empty property, isn't there? Is this something? Well, are we seeing people hoarding property we, in the same way that we're seeing them hoarding wealth? Well, we're seeing some interesting things. For example, in central London, this is I've discovered as part of my social care projects, is that we're seeing people who have enormous property wealth because they happened in the 50s to be of an age where you buy yourself a four-bedroom terraced house. And that four-bedroom terraced house that was at that time perfectly normal and affordable for a working couple uh, is now worth £8 million. Pounds. Mm. Uh, but your income is still the pension that you would have had as a nurse or a policeman mm. or whatever it was. So it's not enormous, um, but is is big. So you've got this thing that is worth a huge amount of money. It's kind of paralyzing you because you're mm. afraid to, now that you suddenly can see that you've like got an eight million pound house <laughs> mm. and you want to leave your children millions. And oh, my God, we're all rich. But actually, you're not using that well. So you're still living in that house that you can't quite afford mm. with not enough money. You're not earning enough 
enough money to pay for a cleaner to come and help you clean it or for somebody to help you cook or you can't afford to make adaptations to your house because it's too big, mm. you know, like for things like a handrail or something that will help you age comfortably. Mm. So so people are like, they're paralysed by this weird wealth that's not real. So that's happening. There's people that do have these homes that, you know, they 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 are empty a lot of the time or they've, you know, like uh, all these, all this kind of urban redevelopment of really expensive properties instead of pe- properties people can live in. And this whole thing of people, you know, like, again, Rutger Bergman, my new best friend, mm. um, he talked about the fact that, you know, in New York in the 70s, the, the, which happens here in Brighton, the bin men go on strike mm. within days there is, you know, it's a state of an emergency. Mm. So six days of New York bin men striking caused an, a, a sort of like a national emergency mm. type thing. Whereas in Dublin in the 70s, the bankers went on strike mm. and basically nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like they were on strike for six months. And it was amazing like, amazing let's let's leave them on strike let's it's like, it's it. like a, you know the stuff we really need and then the stuff we don't really need and you know but uh, but not having the not being able to afford to be priced out of the community you're living in you know like uh you know on my road at my house i think my house is ridiculously like for what it was bought for and what it is now worth it's just stupid you know, it's just, it's made up. So you're pricing, instead of living alongside people, all the people you need, you know, the people who are, you know, your nurses, social workers, mm. teachers, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You need every, all of us are part of the same the community. community. Yes. We all... so, so it comes back to that thing, if you want, yeah, like you, you want things to be more local than they've ended up being. Certainly, and I know in London, it's just a nightmare because you just can't, no one lives near each other. Um, no. Like my friends, family are just scattered, and just 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 an hour is just too far too away, far. you know. Yeah. Um, but like, what something this this is reminding me of a point that Alain de Botton makes in one of the School of Life videos is um, this idea that like people are opposed to building, but actually people aren't opposed to beautiful buildings; they're opposed to ugly, <laughs> ugly. <laughs> redevelopment property you know building so if the government just kind of adjusted its way of if you had a government that was doing what they do in um they sort of use the netherlands as an example like you have this kind of shape that you have to fit but then you can do anything you like with it so you get these really beautiful so you can fit a lot of property in like like a a lot of accommodation into a small amount of space and if you and nobody minds if it's actually beautiful if it actually looks good and there's this sort of um there's this sort of shoestring attitude that the government has to building, um, you know, council flats and that kind of thing that just, it's like no one wants fucking ugly buildings popping up left, right and centre. Well, but if they were well, nice buildings, I think they'd, but, but, it'd be yeah, nice. But, you know? but Caroline Lucas raised this in her talk when I went to see, did I tell you I went to see Caroline uh, Lucas? No, no. Uh, <laughs> she talked about the fact that, for example, because we're way off our targets for reducing our carbon mm. emissions and that's partly to do with the way, like, 
the way we insulate the property, our properties mm. and our new builds. And she, I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that, we were like on the cusp of it being law that every new build has to be built to a certain standard. Mm. And then the uh, property development lobby gets gets involved as a little word with the ministers. And I think a lot of that, what gets built is down to the people trying to make money out of yeah. it. And instead of, and so if they won't behave with morals and with society in mind, we need to force them through regulation and legislation mm. to behave in our interest. Yeah. Like I'll buy your house, but don't make it a shit house that is against like everything we know about yeah. climate policy and what we need in climate yeah. science. So here, here's what we want in terms of accommodation is what I'm thinking. Like, um, yeah, yeah. We want, we don't want people to be able to hoard empty properties uh, just for the sake of wealth. We should out. We shouldn't have that. That shouldn't be yeah. allowed. Um, if there isn't enough accommodation, then we sh- we can build more, but make it beautiful, make it ecologically kind of like make it you know build it to really high standards and re- do it really nice and actually like design it in a way you know living in Berlin like sort of east former East Berlin. I mean, I, but I think anyway, like the 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 blocks you get there, they're they're sort of a bit, they're kind of functional looking from the outside, but they're designed to live in. Yeah. You know, they're made for someone to live in. Even a studio flat that I, I was renting, it had like, you know, I discovered this whole storage area above the hallway, like I didn't even expect initially. And there's a sort of central area that's sort of like, you know, trees and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And and yeah. it's um, a, lot, a lot of those utilitarian bu- buildings actually have utility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they do. And the, the problem is where you have stuff that was built for uh you know like the that you know the house i live in it's like we're in kind of half of it and it's been not very well kind of like divided up really so we're always kind of living in these cramped kind of awkward spaces that are de- they've carved up a larger property rather than just kind of designing something for the size it's going to be i noticed that in oslo as well like we stayed in a studio but it was had like this bed up on the mezzanine and kind of a room and it just felt like mm. a home whereas like in london you get used to just these well just in the uk even you just get used to these places that are just awkward and just not very nice to live in yeah yeah um you kind of make the most of it but you can get kind of it takes the piss sometimes some of the places i've been shown by the foxtons people so like maybe you know and you think about china they they put up a lot of blocks i don't know to what standard but they seem to be so i I don't know how much you want to you want stuff that isn't really fit for purpose being torn down and replaced with better stuff but maybe that is yeah, you know. I think, yeah, I think I hope people, you know, there, there must be some maths around it. But I was thinking about the one of the things we suffer with, I, this is what my train of thought was like, why is, why is Oslo better? And I was thinking, well, Britain's a very old country, it's got a lot of old property. Mm. But then, you know, so is every... Well, Amsterdam... The, Germany's an old country, but then it got smashed up. Mm, but you think about good, Amsterdam, yeah. like, mm. just the, 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 the case study there is the cycle lanes, like yeah. the cycling in the city. That it used to be like London. You know, it's an old place. There's loads of traffic. People were getting killed all the time on bikes. And they went, OK, we're going to just say, no, that's not good enough. And we're going to yeah. make the cars go round the long way. And we're going to have the, you know, the middle of the city yeah. be really cycling friendly. And... Um, that, you know, they just made that change. They did that um, that thing that you can do yeah, yeah, if you yeah. put your mind yeah, to it as a as a yeah. state. And I think the the um, 
the variable shouldn't be do I have somewhere to live or not. The variable should be, okay, maybe if you're kind of not doing as well professionally or whatever, like maybe you do have a bit less choice of where it's going to be, but you should still have somewhere to go, yeah, like whatever I mean, happens. Yeah, in our, in our workshop that we were doing, the, one of the things that came up was that if where you're living is not adequate, it's very hard, it's, it's very stressful, and therefore it's very hard to be a creative about solving other problems in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and that, that, that's, that's, that ties into safety and security. And, and it really yeah. is like just where you live. And so I think there's the, the actual physical building, the physical space that you can live in, and also the community that you're kind of connected to. It shouldn't just be, um, you know, and that's another point that Alan de Botton makes is like, like a lot of new builds in London, they don't meet the ground. They don't have sort of like commercial areas. They don't have like shops and like communal spaces on the ground floor. They just kind of like try and they, they want to sell it all as 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 places to live. But then you get these and you're seeing that in Queen's Park, like where I am, like Maida Vale. A lot of these places don't have they put up these blocks, but there's no shops or anything. So there's no sort of community no. kind of created in those things. So you sort of got to go somewhere else and just... Yeah. yeah, I read quite a shocking Guardian article a couple of weeks ago, last week. Um, there's, you know how now they make a lot of these new developments have to have some affordable housing or social housing mm. in the development. Yeah. Um, but they had two separate playgrounds. So the kids from the poor houses were not allowed to play in the playground for the rich kids. And it's like, I, I did follow the story a little bit and there was a little bit of debunking. It's like, however that that even that there was even enough information in the world for that to exist as a headline mm. in a newspaper is shocking beyond belief that's an episode of uh, high maintenance actually like these people sort of move into this block but there's the sort of like premium tier facilities that you're not you, i mean these i think they it was like affordable housing or whatever that they were in but then there was all this kind of like stuff that only people that were kind of like paying the premium were allowed access to. And it was it's pretty gross, isn't it? It is pretty gross. And they have gross. two different entrances. And like the point is, I just read this thing of like it was a Disney heiress, Disney heiress woman, like um, talking about her, what it's like to grow up super wealthy. And saying she was saying, like, if I was queen of the world, I would ban private jets because it's just it really is a way of just whole aspects of existence that you can just completely ignore once you can fly privately and um the disconnection I, of a yeah. private jet is just sort of she thinks really, is really poisonous she's quite a i've seen her speak mm. and i think she's quite a civilized you know she's she's somebody who's well aware of the privilege of her wealth mm. as far as i can establish and is not not afraid to use it for good she just talk about that thing and, and you, it is that thing you have with uh, you know i had it with shuttleworth was like oh this is quite down to earth it's quite you know it seems quite cool um it's very easy to seem like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really only when the pressure is on that you find out like how they actually see you but um yeah and she's sort of saying in this thing like yeah you just have to crack a couple of sort of like fairy prison princess jokes and people just like love you for it um it's just quite you know it's quite it's very easy to appear down to earth as a rich yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's yeah. not really the point.
Okay, so we so we want we would like everybody to have somewhere to live that was allowed them to come home, shut the door, and go. Huh. Yeah, homes should be homes, not like you know awkward things. So that's that's one aspect of our of our of of the utopian vision. And that and and how does that relate to? So what what are we what are we doing? So I've always felt like I would like people not to be choosing what they do every day based on whether it's going to pay enough and be able to choose what they want to do based on is that the thing that they want to do yeah is that the thing that is going to i immediately take it down to like of course nurse doctor and then it goes artist or uh i don't know somebody who really wants to be good at and and i can see how you know, if you want to make art, and this is not directed at you in any way, shape or form, so any comments that I make are not to be taken personally, but it's like, so I believe, so I agree with you, mm. and then I'm sort of channeling all the people going, what, so you expect me to go to work and do a thing well, so that you can sit at home and paint pictures? Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's quite a... <laughs> In places with no art, they are not good places to be. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, if, the more people that, that get to be the artists, the better your life gets to be. <laughs> yeah. like, you it's get just to see more like nice things. you get some music that makes you, you know, come, makes your heart resonate, <laughs> and you get both physically and emotionally. You get beautiful things to look at. You get all this kind of uh, stuff. What you? But I mean, Rutger, Rutger Bergman do, does. He did reference bullshit jobs. Mm. And I don't know if that's a, th- a meme that I don't know about, but he was talking mm. about, you know, people who've got all these university degrees and then they've got these jobs where they just send emails to people all yeah, day yeah. long. And, is- and it's like, you know, I mean, uh, that's one of the fortunate aspects for me of doing re- these really short contracts yeah. is I haven't got time to send empty emails to people going, hi, further to your email that you sent me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so and I and I will have to go stand up and resolve. I was talking to this young fashion design um grad near graduate who was on our thing on our on our retreat summit, our summit hmm. last week and she she was saying how one of the places she did her internships they had to ban people from setting up meetings. Hmm. And physically, like, institute a policy of stand up, walk across the office and go and ask somebody something. Because everyone was spending all their time going to meetings. So no meetings were allowed on a Friday. Because obviously, as a designer, you actually need uninterrupted thinking time. There is something about bullshit jobs and time spent proving that you've done work yeah yeah time like like the idea that work can because i'm halfway through david graeber's bullshit jobs at the moment i do know who actually wrote it (laughs) but um just this idea that you're supposed to like look busy all the time this idea that like whereas like you know like you kind of go back to a feudal existence like farming you kind of do a big burst of it at a certain time but you have quite a lot of sitting around for the rest of the year yeah. and that's just that's kind of how we work in terms of work yeah, 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 and yeah. like even for me like i have i know i have to accept that i can't be 100% productive every day when i have my sort of time of my own but that i just you just have to trust yourself that you will have these kind of ebbs and flows of sort of intense effort and then a little bit of a gap and and that's how it should be but and then so this idea that you're supposed to 
look busy the whole time. Yeah, and, and in nine the, to five every day. Yeah. Um, Bill Bill Hicks has a joke. He he said he hates how bosses tell him to look busy, and he goes, "You make more than I do. Why can't you pretend I'm working?" <laughs> but yeah, I, but I don't think everyone would immediately want to be an artist anyway. And um, and and one of Sharon's one of the things I've been you know trying to sort of encourage Sharon to think about more more as a real thing is she has a little dream of you know having sort of opening a craft shop and being able to sort of spend the day you know sort of ordering in nice different sort of craft supplies and then kind of dealing you know sort of talking to customers and sort of doing all that kind of thing and uh you know just like a fair price for a fair thing and that's yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. her idea of something she really liked to do and I'm sort of like let's well let's have a little fantasy fantasize about that a bit I can have my studio you can have your sort of shop near, I don't know, in Queen's Park or something and we can sort of hang out for a bit some days and like I can help you with your kind of online presence and I can if I've got sort of a big idea I can just kind of like go up into the studio and kind of work on that for a bit but then I can come out and we can you know and, and that that sounds like a nice existence to me yeah, I yeah, quite yeah. like to be able to do that and um you know, I, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but I had a bit of a, had a bit of a go at her yesterday morning when I found out she'd bought a lottery ticket, and she's like, "Oh, look, I won forty quid on this lottery." I was like, "What? Why are you buying a lottery ticket?" I was like, "What? You know, what were you feeling that made you buy that?" And she was like, "Oh, well, I was just kind of thinking about this shop thing, just kind of fantasizing about that." I was like, "I, I don't want you to be. I don't want that to be." A lottery in the realm of fantasy. Yeah, I don't want yeah, you to have yeah. to feel like you have to. Like yeah. something has to qualitatively change in order for that to be a realistic idea. Lots of people open shops and lots of people a lot less smart than you open shops. Um, but uh, it is, it can feel like just a fantasy to, to get the thing that you want to do, even yeah, if that yeah. thing isn't particularly, you know, there's always, you know, shops are a thing that <laughs> shouldn't seem like an impossible dream. No, um, no, no. And then I, I just to round out that, you know, the way I kind of was like, I'm sorry, you know, for having a go at you for that was kind of really, I said, you know, I had my Bitcoin fantasy recently and sometimes a little bit of like, OK, let's imagine that I've got £100,000 all of a sudden. What is my shopping list sort of thing? And then realising just from having that freedom to think about it is then you can still end up with stuff that you could actually do. So yeah. it's like it's not all bad, but like... um. I also think, like, why, why is it, why does that have to be in the realm of fantasy for, for people, for anyone, really, to just do something cool? And like, it's well, like, totally, for, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's I'd... like I wouldn't spend all my time making music. You can't, it's impossible. But I'd like to be able to just, you know, maybe I can kind of develop the happiness app without having to worry about how quickly I can monetize or, or how am I going to yeah, yeah. get other people I, I, to work on it? I think I would still like to do this sort of, okay, you know, two or three a year of government projects mm. to, you know, like take a policy and work out how to make it happen. Mm. I, I find that immensely satisfying. Mm. Uh, I think I would still, there, there might be other people or other things that I would do that I wouldn't have to charge for that I would enjoy. Mm. You know, like if I, if I knew all my bills were covered, basic, yeah. my, you know, my basic survival. Um, but equally, I think it's not even about the amount, it's about the no stress the, you know, the removal of this, like, survival pressure is yeah. not the same as pressure to, you know, think of a bigger, better idea. Nothing is stopping you still 
from coming up with something amazing and being the most famousest person in the world about you know do you know what I mean it's like uh but it, but that the, there's a there's a tipping point where the stress of survival massively inhibits your your ability to to think mm. And then it goes, well, even in that, that poverty thing we talked about, like the people who do fruit picking and the fruit and famine, the, the feast and famine part of their lives. Literally, if you IQ test them, we, I think I'm sure yeah, we discussed yeah, yeah. this. The IQ drops points. Rutger talks about it as yeah, well. Like, the IQ drops just because of the, I've got no more, you know, it's like impossible to think. Hmm. So if we bring everyone up, imagine how creative we would be as a yeah, species if people it. were just trying to work out how the fuck to get food on the table. And not having to spend, you know, 40 hours a week on, on bullshit that Ooh. they're not allowed to, like they're explicitly forbidden from... Even though there's not any real work to do, they're also forbidden to kind of do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, it's just not healthy for anyone. We're not robots. We're not automata that you kind of wind no, no, up at 9am no. and then they kind of keep going till five and then no. we're finished. That's not really how humans are made. No. So um, it would, that, that would be work, if work could be a bit more, a bit more human. And yeah, kind of get out just, of this industrialised way of thinking. What what you're talking about in terms of that feudal times with the like periods of really hard work and not hard work and times when you I mean, I'm sometimes really envious of some of my uh, you know, Herzegovinian family because even though they you know, they don't have the same privileges I do in terms of having the money to travel around and do mm. stuff, but they spend huge chunks of their lives just hanging out with each other and talking to each <laughs> other and there's no like oh well I can talk to you now but then I've got to go off and do such and such and trying to like you know when when the younger ones come over here they're they're utterly shocked by the way like Nick and I live our lives racing from mm. a thing to the next thing you know you know what I mean and we don't even have like mad crazy corporate jobs or, or factory jobs where someone's mm. counting your hours mm. You know, we are pri within this world of of work insanity. We are incredibly privileged, mm. the two of us. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, um, I, I, well, I'm certainly very happy with my situation at the moment, where I can, you know, I can take half an hour here and there to just sort of, as something yeah. comes to mind, and just kind of look at it without worrying that I've got to look like I'm, you know, busy. Yeah, look busy, look busy. Don't let anyone see what you're looking at on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You sort of imagine this kind of worst case scenario of everyone just kind of plays video games all day long and, um, yeah. you know, gets high. But I don't think that's, that's that, you know, at a certain point that gets boring. I think well, however, however, and, and I think there's a, it's, it's, it's the sort of feeling like there's not, you don't really have any other options maybe is yeah. a reason that you're just like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think, but I think that then takes us up to the next levels up Maslow's because mm. we then talk about sort of love and belonging and esteem and self-actualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, along with this universal basic income has to come education. Yeah, yes. Really good education that opens your mind to all the possibilities, to all your potential. Mm. And there will, of course, there's going to be people who just want to play computer games and get stoned. But, but I think those, but when you I look at those people, that as, as they 
do it more, they're going to want to be the best at it. <laughs> they're going to want to get better <laughs> at it. And you do see this on, on YouTube. You see all these, like, here's, here's, like speed running, it's called, like, where it's like, how quickly can you do the Mario... Mario, uh, Super Mario kind of thing, and like people get really creative with it, and there's community, and there's, and that's just as valid a human existence as you know, making it, setting up a shop, or being an artist. It's, it's, you know, so I, even if it's an artificial, artificial yeah, construct, yeah, yeah. it's like it's still just as meaningful. Well, I learned this week, I had no idea at all that they're like world championships for people who play like FIFA and they can command as much if not more as the professional sports person (laughs) like there literally is a whole sports world of people who play things games online we don't we don't look at you know we don't look down at sports people and no 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 and that's just the same, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. some are more or less physical, but you know, ch- a chess grandmaster seems to be respected. So Hugely why shouldn't respected. someone that's really good at FIFA? So uh, yeah. yeah, like it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and and as why shouldn't that be a, a valid existence? And and if you're into it, you're into it. Yeah. And then you might not be very good at it. And then you probably kind of lose interest and kind of start looking out to. I don't think there's this. Oh, people are just going to stop. People like gaming is quite a social thing these days. Well, I also think that wanting to be really, really good at a thing or being really into a thing is really important. Mm. It doesn't actually really matter that much. And that, I mean, that's partly why people get radicalised, really, is that, like, you know, come over here and be part of this thing. You know, as long as those the things that people get really into are sort of either certainly not detrimental to the world in you but as you say if you're part of a community and you've got more people engaging with you that's i think a perfectly valid endeavor as long as it's you know it doesn't result in you know violence towards others Obesity. as you remind me of a quote a roald dahl quote i began to realize how important it was to be an enthusiast in life if you are interested in something no matter what it is Go at it full speed, embrace it with both arms, hug it, love it, and above all, become passionate about it. Mm. Lukewarm is no good, said mm. Roald Dahl. Mm. But, you know, I think that's got some legs. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to And that sort of brings back me back to my little YouTube series, which, you know, I, I'm kind of like... Usually, often it's someone else's passion for something that gets you interested in it. And yeah. it maybe is less important what that is. Uh, just, just and just testament to that is just these how interested in Star Wars people seem to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sort of go, what the, okay, let's see this. Let's see what's going on here. What's this all about? <laughs> Just to sort of tie this back to education, uh, tie this back to health and medicine and, and, and sort of like safety and, you know, police, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Rutger Bregman does talk about the cost of the price of poverty. And the more people you have, like below the poverty line, the more it costs in the health service, oh. the more it costs to police that. Um if you just kind of like put some money in to kind of solve poverty, then you actually probably you get it back pretty quickly at the other side. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah there are numbers to attach to this. Mm. To, to, like even in the, like off that project I did with the retirement properties. Mm. So uh, the retirement properties in our particular study were uh, 
directed towards people who could afford to buy one. Mm. So obviously it, that takes you to a certain demographic. But the people who go and live in these specialist retirement communities cost the NHS on average £1,115 less per year because the people are more, you know, actively engaged in a community, mm. living in age-appropriate housing, mm. living in housing that's built to our standard where they're warm enough, cool enough, all that kind mm. of stuff. But suddenly, like, they, they literally cost us less money mm. because they... You know, they're looked after. And this is stuff that we kind of know how to do. It's easier. Yeah, like yeah, building yeah, yeah. nice homes is something we're much better at than fixing dodgy knees and like heart much easier. bypasses. Yeah, like, yeah. Much, much easier to build a house with no trip hazards than to, you know, spend weeks putting someone back together or yeah. giving them a new hip or exactly. you know, all that kind of, yeah. Let's just touch on... Capitalism, liberalism. Oh yes, I've Capitalism. been watching. Um, I've been watching Philosophy Tube. Um, oh, yeah. Who's another like connected to contrapoints, connected to H bomber guy? Guy. I sort of avoided him a little bit because he's got a funny looking face, but actually he does seem to have and a couple of slightly <laughs> self indulgent videos. But like, like he's got some really good series about sort of the basics of certain philosophical things. But he goes into what liberalism is all about and. And I, I never realised quite because we have liberal Democrats and that's I don't know if that's even the but like Thatcherism and a lot of these things, liberalism is is basically a sort of capitalism mindset, yeah. like it's really closely tied into that. And this yeah, um, yeah. the idea that the, 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 the market will will solve our problems and it's and it's the the embracing of that capitalism that liberalism that has led to massive inequality. And yeah. I think, you know, a, a, a future society where things are put together properly should be one that does not allow those sorts of wealth inequalities to exist. I met some people this, you know, last two or three days who most of the year live in Ibiza mm. and run fitness retreats and do catering and all that kind of thing. And basically the locals are being, but there's a massive problem with squatting because of this empty house thing. And also instead of renting to a local, people are putting their properties on Airbnb. Mm. So they're not... Because um, I think that's interesting. Sorry, we could go back into it, but I mm. think that's quite interesting. Because I Airbnb my house when I'm not in it. Yeah. But I'm not giving my house over to Airbnb. Do you know? Because mm. I thought it was invented for that. Yeah. That kind of like go and experience living in someone else's house somewhere else in the world. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm fully up for that. And most, I'd say, the majority of people that come and live in stay in our house. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to experience Brighton. But that's a big difference between that and not allowing locals to rent it yeah. because you want to make the Airbnb money. Airbnb, my, my new overlords, um, they, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, is, um, it, is that, it is an efficiency mindset, right? It is let's make, let's, make our, let's make the value of our property more efficient so that when we're not in it, when we went off on our motorcycle trip, we had, we rented out our house mm. for proper tenancy agreement. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's actually, for me, more risky 
because it's more likely that someone will trash my house. Mm. And we did have to do a hell of a lot of cleaning when we got back. Right. Because, uh, you know, you can't enter in. I personally don't, you know, this whole deposit protection, clean that, blah, 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 yeah. bollocks. You can't make somebody clean your house. So we just, here's your deposit laters. <laughs> anyway, there's a hell of a lot of cleaning to do. Um, whereas with that Airbnb, because I'm reviewing them and they're reviewing me, right. I feel much more confident that they are going to respect my house. Right. Weirdly, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's a funny little, if it's your actual home that you're trying to release to someone, it's different because we also rent a property um, separately, but that's proper tenancy agreements and all that. And that's mm. different because that's very clearly that's not my home. It's not got my stuff in. Mm. Uh, but I also with them have this big thing about, look, this is your home. Yeah. You have yeah, to yeah. tell me when things are broken so I can mend them for you yeah. because otherwise... You know, I'm I'm not here to have you live in squalor. <laughs> so I can claim it's like you have to tell me because otherwise I end up with something that's a much bigger problem because you were afraid to tell me because you've been mm. conditioned by the market. If you report a problem, you're going to get charged for mm. it. It's like so, it's quite a. It's, it's a there's something completely wrong with the way the legalities of of renting and you know all that business. Well, let's let's let's, um, let's let's end by sort of talking about an, a, a thing that comes out of that, and and it's something that that makes me think about in in Berlin in Germany they have very strong protections for tenants. Hmm. So it's like once you're living somewhere, I think it's quite hard to get yeah. you out again, kind of thing. <laughs> like they they protect you, but that what that and then when I when I moved to Berlin, I was looking for rental properties and it was like, what's going on here? And there was no sort of like obvious estate agents in the same way that you have in London. And then what I discovered was it's actually the market is for sublets. So you have to look for someone who's subletting their property rather than attempting to get a rental thing where there'll be like, you know, dozens of people, hundreds of people after this one place, because if they get it, they're sorted. They've got it. Um, right. But it kind of it just it just kind of triggers that that whole thing of any system you create, people will start to like look for the loopholes and they will look to kind of ways to game it and they'll look for ways to sort of like make things easier for themselves. Like this is just this is going to happen. So the, the the thing I would like I would imagine for a sort of future society is that the way we've built things in the past, it's like I look at this for, in terms of software architecture where yeah. you set where you create a system that runs on a machine that is a very has a very definite sequence of states that it can have and it is very kind of rigid about how it makes decisions um while in law you have this body of rules that you've created but it kind of ultimately comes down to a judge who is a human brain kind of going okay i think this is this because yeah. everything is more complicated in the real world so if you try to the more stuff you try and turn into a sort of machine like rule the more ways there will be to kind of work around that because you know once you've sort of put your peg in the in the ground then people will kind of find ways around it and and you you can keep putting more pegs in but then you just get something that makes no bloody sense and then you have to have this entire legal system of people who've trained there you know for years to be able to kind of even work and understand anything the way I would like to see it is like some next generation AI fueled tech that brings the set of we bring that set of laws, the set of the values of the society down to a list that anyone can understand, much like Germany's um, constitution. Um, that is something that anyone can pick up and 
kind of get through and like it's a few pages and it can be look beautiful. And then you have a slightly more fuzzy logic way that you can you can enforce that and test that. And in evolving evolving specifics against a set of values that we've all agreed on, um, rather than trying to solve it all with sort of rigid rules that can then be kind of exploited and worked around. This is, uh, I don't know, how does that sound to you? Does that sound crazy? <laughs> but I think that's it. I think that's absolutely what we need. It's that thing that I said last week, like go around Guildford. Does anyone believe everyone should have a good education? Yes, we do. Does everyone believe that you should have free healthcare? Yes, we do. Uh, oh, therefore you're a socialist. No, you're not. You're not a socialist. You're just a human mm. who you know, it wants everybody understands the value of everybody having at least what they need, you know. And mm. I think that's I think that's a, a really good way of, of flipping. I think the conversation needs to stop. And I had this conversation with my brother and sister recently because um, I'm a member of the Labour Party and my brother's like, yeah. And my, <laughs> my sister's mm. like quite into it, but not a member. La, la, la. Yeah. And he was like... And I was saying, you're, you're arguing with me about, like, the fact because it's called branded socialist. But actually, what if we got rid of all these these labels and just stood for the things that we stand for, yeah. it's a much easier conversation. Yeah, so, exactly. exactly. I, I don't know if there's any academics doing... Because I, I think this is you run simulations and you kind of... <laughs> like, let's figure out if we can... Is someone doing this? Is someone kind of going, okay, like, like if we put this in and we sort of simulate that there's millions of people, even if it's kind of crude, can yeah. we like figure, can, can a machine kind what, of like how, figure out how to solve this? what way are we going to break it? Um, we humans with our mad inventiveness. Mm. But, you know, on the subject of subletting, as a landlady that is not a property magnate, I, uh, I'd be quite happy with that. Right, because then you don't have to manage it. Go for your life, <laughs> mate. <laughs> as long as I get the, because I'm, you know, I've tried to set the rent pretty reasonably and all that business, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Tell me what needs to be fixed. I'll fix it. You deal with all the people who want to or don't want to live with you. Cool. <laughs> One of the biggest things we have to just somehow figure out how to resolve is you say something like universal basic income to someone and they start imagining it for themselves and they're just thinking of all the ways that they like use that and what they do. Um, if you ask people what they do, they think it's a brilliant idea for them, but everyone says that other people, it would make other people lazy. And so on that bombshell. <laughs> we have this idea that other people wouldn't do good things with it. And if we could sort of like deprogram that assumption and yeah, just like I, look at I, the numbers, like everyone, like we asked everyone and everyone was like, yeah, we think that I, I would do something really good with this. So what, are they yeah. lying or, you know, how are we going to? But, but, uh, but I, I think it's because they can't imagine it. Mm. And in, in a very, I think, in a very privileged way at the moment, the way I've set up my life for that, and you have, mm. we we kind of, in it, we're sort of able to fake it a little bit because yeah. we, do, we don't work full time 
and yeah. but we do loads of stuff with I mean when I'm in Croatia you know I do I kind of often work in the mornings and when I'm you know like on whatever it might be recording a podcast because mm. I you know when, that's not work you know I do stuff and then yeah. sometimes I do things that are for money but then I'll go off I do loads more cycling and um, I do loads more running and I go out paddle boarding and I pick up rubbish and mm. I have time to do things and go and talk to the mum, try and make friends with the mums in the village and hang out in the playground. Like, I don't think you'd sit on your bum doing fuck all. Yeah, and this this broken <laughs> this broken assumption that if something doesn't earn you money, it doesn't have value. Yeah. It's just we need to get past that as a society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This podcast as an example, like, it might not make any of us money, but it certainly has value, right? If not, well, I love you know. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brilliant. But yes, yeah. it does. I mean, it starts conversations with people and, it, you know, mm. whatever, even if we only... Because I think the, 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 the truth... I had a coffee as well with an academic friend of mine. I might be doing a project with her over the summer because mm. she looks about sustainability in the creative process. Yeah. Um, and she talked about the fact that really... You know, we were talking about the Extinction Rebellion and the fact that we're not really in a position to go off and get arrested and do all mm. this other stuff. She said, but, you know, even it, it all comes down to community. So if our little podcast creates a small community of people who are thinking about these things, we're yeah. adding value. If I do a clothes swap with the mothers on my street, I'm adding value to my little community. We're yeah. stopping some shopping we're stopping some consumption we're you know what I mean it's yeah. like it's all every, the answer to all of these problems are community and cooperation okay. but that community doesn't have to be in the traditional sense anymore I think of you know church yeah. it can well, be a gamer community something we haven't talked about is religion or that, like those kinds of rituals but let's yeah. maybe we haven't got we haven't got up the we haven't got up to the top yet Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. If you uh, like the podcast, come to grandpodcast.com. Um, if you want to find Ivanka, where can they do that? Find me at Ivanka on Twitter. You can find me at michaelforestmusic.com. Please come and watch my new video. It's called, it's the thumbnail says, <laughs> Get Out of the Studio. And it's about, um, it's well, it's sort of a guide to playing electronic, to booking a live electronic music gig through to sort of like playing it through to packing up afterwards but I think just come and watch it because it sort of gives you a little bit of insight into all the work that goes into doing something that you might not have you know thought that that was a thing but I'm quite proud of how uh, how that's come out so come and uh, if you just come to michaelforestmusic.com you can find it there or you can search for me on YouTube so please come and watch that that is my plug um I've got nothing to plug right now, but what I would like you to do, if you have just a few moments, to do some stars, some ratings, some reviews on our podcast, wherever you listen to them. If you are minded to write a review, please do. Or drop us a little email or tweet at us or do something that helps us know what you're thinking. Yes, please. And whether or not we should do more of something and less of something else uh, and that, that kind of thing. It would be really helpful. Or don't tell your friends about our podcast because, you know... We're trying to save the world one listener at a time. <laughs> and subscribe. You know, if you subscribe, it'll keep coming down. So please come and subscribe if you have not already. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.